0: Energize. this baby
1: hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit.
0: I have a plan. you got a plan. I have parts of a
1: plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is Payne 101. Your instructor is Casey Jones. Movies? Comic books? Movies based on comic books, EXCELSIOR! Video games, toys, TV shows, Professional wrestling, It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> all the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just cause a guy reads comics he can't start uh, shit? So grab your action uh, figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time Stupid. to talk nerdy to me. Yeah, yeah, don't say that unless you like that. It's your thing, Just, you know. You do you. Well, someone has to. Hello.
0: Hi. Welcome to a very special edition <laughs> of Talk Nerdy to Me. Like the bicycle shop special edition? Uh, okay, not a very a, um, um, a very unique episode. Not a very special episode. Like the bicycle shop episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am your host,
1: Captain Chris. No. Ah, I got it out. Still Haha. No. That's it. We're at. I'm. Still I'm no. the captain now. I mean, you can be the captain. <laughs> I think at one point in time I was described as Rear Admiral Koran by you, so <laughs> you know I can't say too much. Um,
0: this is Obi John Kenobi with me here, the most creatively named man in all of podcasting. Koran. 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 No.
1: Koran. According Koran.
0: to your marriage life, <laughs> that <bad> asshole. <laughs> Go on. Uh, we are two men short this week, um, one and a half. We
1: knew Julian was gonna going to be gone.
0: Well, up. that's true. Yes, Julian is still missing. Uh, sorry, I don't have the sound clips to play. Uh, Rockapella is not here in my living room to do an I acapella. Did. I know, right? I tried a lot to get cooler them. Cooler if they were. They uh, they're a lot more expensive than you think for a one time thirty second performance. Uh, i also
1: think a few of them are dead now.
0: So exactly that's why it's so expensive. Uh... Julian's not here. We don't know where he is. Uh, he does this, you know, at least once every couple of years. He just disappears, goes walkabout. Uh, and uh, Captain Chris is somewhere north of the wall. We lost uh, signal with him. We hope he's okay. We're sending dragons to get him. Surely he'll be
1: okay. He just left a note that said gone baiting. I don't know. if So he's fishing? Was he with... Uh, uh, Danny Glover and Joe Pesci? No, no. <laughs> gone we're, fishing? We're, no, it was just a note that said gone baiting. Oh, uh, oh baiting. What oh, wow. I do not that.
0: It's a whole different thing there. <laughs> so, sadly, you're stuck with the two of us this week uh, with the slightly truncated show. Uh, oddly enough, the last time it was just the two of us, our topic was about Blade... And today, yet again, we'll be talking about Blade. About a
1: Blade movie. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to start, finish, how do you want to do that?
0: We'll get to that, let's <laughs> end with that. Um. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, our first topic
1: today... Well, and,
0: okay. You want
1: me to... Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. um, I mean, this one came to me because we've been discussing um, bad movies, what we would fix about them. We also had the topic about, like... Great characters in awful movies, mm-hmm. where we discussed probably the best example of that of all time, Raul Julia as M Bison in Street Fighter. Uh, so that obviously kind of led to the discussion, or the thought, or my train of thought of let's talk about good scenes in terrible movies. Um, just because the movie's terrible doesn't mean it doesn't have something good in it. Yeah. So we're going to find that silver lining. Um,
0: we're going to
1: polish that turd. Yeah, my first one, kind of low-hanging fruit. And okay. You, there are varying opinions on whether or not this movie is good. I've got one of those, two, so. Um, The opening scene from Dark Knight Rises with Bane on the plane. Yeah. Uh, it is, you know, they were definitely trying to grab that same feel of the Joker bank heist at the beginning of Dark Knight. Definitely. Um, and they did a really good job of that. The only downside is it wasn't the highlight in Dark Knight. It was the highlight of Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises was just a, a convoluted train wreck of a movie that I sat through both other Batman movies, and it started at midnight, so I sat in the movie theater from 6 p.m. till about 3 a.m. to, uh, to, to see it. And then, oh, do you remember, we had to move the next day. We yep. had to move the next day. So I spent nine hours in a movie theater and then had to move and then had to work the next morning. And all I could think when I was moving boxes on that lovely, lovely, hot August Friday afternoon was, man, that was not worth it. <laughs> um, that opening scene was awesome. No, it's
0: it's impressive as hell. It's definitely like a, an audition tape to direct a Bond movie yeah. because that is an opening scene of a Bond movie right there.
1: Down to ah. the... Uh, because they knew the bodies and everything would be too charred so the blood transfusion they do while the plane's crashing is awesome yeah it's it's fantastic it's uh and and the fact that it was all done practically is just
0: impressive as all hell because nowadays that is 100 percent cgi with some green screen uh but they they shot that like they really had a fuselage of a plane dried behind another plane like that's crazy Uh, The kind of thing that only a director of Nolan's caliber can say, hey, we're going to do this. And the studio goes, okay, cool, we'll pay for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, no, definitely trying to mirror that robbery scene from uh, the opening of Dark Knight. And like you said, man, uh, I think my hatred for Rises is pretty well documented on this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, no, you're right. Like, that, that kicked things off pretty well. And, sadly, that movie was pretty much all downhill after that. Yeah. Uh, My first one, also kind of low-hanging fruit, I guess you could say. Um, It's one of those, the first one will live in infamy forever as one of those films that literally changed how movies are made, and the sequels will forever be a footnote of, yeah, and they made those two. Uh, The freeway chase scene from Matrix Reloaded. Um, Talk about a sequel you could not get more hyped for. Uh, matrix was huge when it came out i mean it, literally it changed how movies get made it was one of those you know once in a decade <clears throat> action movies that was an action movie that delivered on the action but also made you think like it was that you know that weird live action anime thing with wire foo and groundbreaking digital effects it was it was amazing so like they're making another one oh my god this, they've got a, even more of a budget now you know, I can't wait to see what they'll do. You know, they did that amazing stuff on a budget with like a studio that didn't really believe in the project. Now they've got the full force of the studio behind them. Can I imagine what they can do. The free witch is what they can do. Yeah. It, it is. It is. If you're only gonna want, you know, if you want to cut all the crap
1: and just watch the best part of that movie, that's what you watch. There's one other scene I think is okay, but it's not as good as the freeway scene. the The fight when like the giant foyer of that house with the two yeah. staircases and stuff. But again, it's like. Freeway chase scenes a 4 year fights like a, that, that's, a, an eight. It's got some great wire foo and yeah.
0: it's a really great set and like great choreography. But just the freeway scene is literally every trick. Yeah. From they built an entire section of a highway to shoot it on. That you
1: could see from an airplane.
0: Yeah, uh, that they, they, they all the di- granted the digital work is kind of hit or miss. Uh, the the ghost brother guys their ghosting effect still holds up pretty well. Some of the human CGI, like when the agents are jumping from car to car, not quite so much, but just like Morbius on top of the uh, of the semi trailer, yeah. stuff with the sword, uh, that whole sequence from start to finish, from the moment uh, Trinity jumps onto the freeway to the end, and you know the the Superman save at the end, punctuated by the most fourth wall breaking audience surrogate moment ever, where uh, what is his name, Tank and Dozers cousin or brother or whatever the new guy in the chair oh, for the, the team the handicapped guy from Oz yeah that guy literally as soon as as, as Neo comes in to grab uh, uh, Keymaker and Trinity and do a little you know, swirly thing fly away they cut to him just going yes like that's the audience like that's yeah. our reaction yeah. um, it's great the rest of the movie I mean like you said it's not a total loss it's not Matrix Revelations bad uh, it still delivers that's on it's real bad <laughs> it started to be where we're like um maybe they only had one movie in them yeah one movie in a sweet sweet series of anime shorts <laughs> yeah that they were producers on uh but that, that sequence is amazing and that is that's exactly what you want from a sequel of yeah. it's everything you loved about the first dialed up to 11 and we're gonna pull out all the stops to get it that scene's amazing the rest of the movie
1: especially from that point on the rest of the movie is pretty down actually the forger fights after that but it's very much a no it's before that because yeah
0: because neo fights them off and and then he's trapped in the chateau and has to fly to save them fly to save them everything after that is like the 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 heist in the buildings and the
1: hallway full of doors the orgasm cheesecake conversation is that also? That's right movie? before okay. Uh, See, no. that. Okay. See that movie? I, it's been so long <laughs> since I've seen it. It's all just running no, together.
0: Everything—it's that stupid heist. It's saving Trinity. It's that room, full, the hallway full of doors, uh, and then it's the architect explaining everything. Yeah. And then
1: credits. Yeah. The architect in the twenty-minute exposition scene yeah. that you know—you know what you want in a, in a Matrix film, where it's like someone's like, "You don't need a thesaurus to write
0: this," and the guy's like, "Watch me." I'm gonna I'm gonna look up an alternate word for every single word I would type just because I want to sound intelligent.
1: That's like a Bill Clinton giving a speech to conger like that.
0: I did not have a sexual <laughs> relationship with that. No word in this monologue can have less than three syllables.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, guys, let's make John mad. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to talk good about the Rob Zombie Halloween movies for a second. Okay. Um and I'm especially I don't even like the second one I genuinely don't I think the stuff with the white I've horse I've still never and, seen it it's oh um there's one scene it's a dream sequence and it's uh the main character uh, Lori is having uh she has a dream and it's basically Rob Zombie's homage to Halloween 2 she's in a hospital
0: the, the whole opening like 20 minutes where she's in the hospital yeah. and they remake yeah and then it turns out it's a dream the whole time yeah yeah
1: the, the, the fake-out that you yeah. wished wasn't a fake-out. That you wished was the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but that was just... You know, that, that's what gave me hope for that movie, and then I sat through the next hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, which, you know, I, I like Rob Zombie as a director. I genuinely mm-hmm. don't hate him. Um, even a movie I vowed to never watch again after I saw it in theaters, uh, I, I can actually... Make a, a a small case of mostly of I enjoy it because it's a great throwback to '70s film, but I can even make a small case for uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I enjoy that right up to like the last ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, Devil's Rejects I absolutely love. I think Lords of Salem is I I like that movie every I like that movie more every time I watch it. When okay. I when I initially watched, I gave it about a a uh, four out of ten, now it's probably worked its way up to about a seven and a half or an eight. I've, um, El Super, well, okay, as I, as I say that, I've never seen El of his animated feature, because I was literally just told don't.
0: He did that?
1: Yeah. Okay. That's coming off my shutter list. Um, and I thought 31 was just terrible. Just terrible.
0: I want to like Rob Zombie. Yeah. On paper, he looks great. He's a horror fan who's now getting to direct his own horror movies. He loves that whole, like, 70s, um not necessarily Grindhouse, but like that 70s horror... Kind of, like, somewhere between horror. Grindhouse and exploitation. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's 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 just like Kevin Smith. He's a fanboy. He gets to make the movies he used to watch. Only the movies he used to watch were, like, those 70s
1: horror movies. So like, yeah, like, on paper, I should love him. Um... We don't hate him as much as that asshole in that uh, Joe Bob group who referred to him by his actual first name. He's like, I just don't see the appeal of Rob Cummings' film. It's like, I don't see the appeal well, of you having this conversation. someone dude. being
0: pretentious to get attention, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: that's when you send them the,
0: here's that attention you ordered, meme, yeah. yeah. No, uh, I was not a fan of the first movie, and everyone I know who I had that conversation with has been like, well... The second is not any better, so I'm like, I don't really have an incentive to watch it. I have watched, like, online reviews of it, just because I'm curious of, like, is it that bad? Where, where does it... So, I know about, like, the white horse weird-ass dreams and all that kind of shit. And, and like, here's the thing, like,
1: if if you take the white horse out of it, it's... If you take the white horse out of it and call it anything but Halloween, it's a decent slasher.
0: Well, and I've, I've seen people present that, like, if you get really deep and intellectual with it, that it's like a genius, beautiful movie. And you can make an argument of that, sure. But my argument with that is, it's fucking Halloween yeah. too. There's a point where you can take things too seriously. Oh,
1: absolutely. Um, I just... Yeah, and it was one of those things where, you know, I have that Halloween box set. I know you've refused to buy it until they put out a non-Rob Zombie list. Which, uh, but I, I don't think it's happening. I'm fine. I have all the Halloween movies I want. I have the Let original... Enjoy.
0: I have the original, I have the original 2, <laughs> I have,
1: um... You don't say Season of the Witch, we're about to Season
0: fight. of the Witch, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember what's on my shelf, because they're organized weird. So I've got the original, the first Halloween 2, <laughs> I've got Season of the Witch, and then I have the most recent Halloween, whatever you want to call it, H4O, or Halloween part two redo or whatever it is Curtis
1: returns yeah yeah the one that clearly needs to have a subtitle they unkill Laurie Strode the <laughs> one where like every
0: sequel is now gonna have a subtitle but not this one yeah yeah uh subtitles are important that should be a topic uh fuck you the thing 2014 10, ten? yeah god damn he's nine, nine years yeah, old yeah. fuck you movie who just called yourself the thing you need a subtitle um
1: But Mary Elizabeth Winstead sent it. No, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm
0: just saying it needs a subtitle. Oh, it's
1: not great, but it has Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And as anyone who listens to this show knows, she is my future wife. She may not know it yet, but when we meet, we're going to fall in love. We're going to get married. And we're still not going to have children.
0: It also has... um... Oh, wow, I forgot everyone's name from Game of Thrones right now.
1: Uh, Redbeard guy From north of the wall no, The the big women guy? Yeah Okay I know who you're talking about I God damn
0: there. I can't think of, Yeah he's in that uh, Cause every Norwegian actor Is <laughs> remotely anybody Is in that <laughs> movie uh, But no the, um, Going way back no, I, I Yeah that opening part Where it's in the hospital In, in Zombies Halloween 2 is, is It's like Like you said That's the movie We all wanted to see yeah. Before he got all Rob Zombie with it
1: Well, and basically, you know, you've heard me half defend this movie before with the statement of like, it was supposed to be these two twin German brothers were lined up to direct Halloween 2. They were going to do Halloween 2. Six weeks before filming, they bowed out. So they basically went to Zombie and were like, hey. And he hadn't written a Halloween 2 script. He adapted a script he'd already written for something else to make it a Halloween movie which explains a lot which explains a lot and uh, like it's not great but i think you should watch it at some point like if we threw back like if i pick up a 12 of white claw <laughs> um you know we can sit back and have a conversation and get hammered and watch uh halloween 2 the rob zombie the uh, can the, we get can we get misty too much sugar man too much sugar in Arbor Mist I can't get Misty anymore it's fine I'll bring the meat over I'm an old man
0: Uh, I'm glad I came up with more than one choice for this because originally we were only supposed to pick one movie because we had two other topics to get to but uh, um, I just went back and we rewatched this part today to make sure my memory was correct and I wasn't hallucinating but um, and again I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie it's just that the rest of the movie cannot live up to this scene, the opening fourteen minutes of Expendables Two,
1: yeah.
0: is the most balls to the wall. Hold my beer moment. Like it literally, I was I watched it again today when I got home, and it feels like they saw what whatever the current Fast and the Furious movie at that time was doing. And like all right, we're gonna outdo them. It was it was a hold my beer moment because it starts with um they're in souped up armored A team inspired vehicles. Literally just driving through an enemy camp, blowing people, literally blowing people away with like 50-cal machine guns. Uh, and every vehicle has like a battering ram or a, a, a cow catcher thing on it so they can keep plowing through buildings and shit. Like they straight up Fast and Furious style crash through buildings. Uh, then they get to a, 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 foot, a foot chase action scene which transitions to a Jet Li taking on like five guys uh, and his guns out because it's Jet Li. Uh, so we get awesome Jet ski fighting. And that transitions to uh, we're ziplining on a power line uh, for what's got to be like five miles. while we're still shooting people.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Then we
0: jump off into the water, jump on a boat, have a boat chase, which then leads to a, the plane lands, everyone gets on the plane. It's a boat's chasing a seaplane movie. Uh, the plane then blows up a bridge because Expendables. And then like it ends with them doing the, are we going to, you know, we get, pull up, pull up, we're not gonna make it. Ooh, we made it. Like, cut your credits. Uh, it is just like, holy shit. Like, it's an entire movie's worth of action set pieces in 14 minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's one of those things where it, it's just a bummer because... Expendables 2 is far and away the best movie in that series. Oh, definitely. Um, By... Not a small margin. The first one was a super okay setup. The third one, I've never even bothered to watch.
0: I don't remember the third one. Like, I know I own it. Like, the first one was one of those, we threw way too many people in this movie, and we're trying to find something for all of them to do, and no one really gets any screen time. Like, everyone kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Two, they kind of scaled it down, gave everyone something to do. We got a proper villain in Jean-Claude Van Damme. Literally, a villain named Villain. (laughs)
1: uh literally i can't remember three uh i i I know it exists i never watched it because they dropped from r to pg-13 okay because we've had this discussion before you thought two was the pg-13 i did
0: no after watching the opening like there's no fucking way that's a pg-13 even if it's cgi blood there's blood all over that that's true yeah um but no like the rest of the movie's not bad uh, like, you don't even meet Jean-Claude's character in that first opening scene. It's literally like a Bond movie opening scene. of Like, here's what, here's the team. Here's what they do. Uh, it catches you up. You can completely skip the first movie. Because, if anything, it makes it make more sense. Because in the first movie, Dolph Wonder turns out to be a bad guy. And they have a big fight with him. And then at the start of this movie, A, he's still alive. And B, he's just back on the team again. Yeah. Like, we just forgave well,
1: him. The, 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 the glaring thing in 2 that I remember is Jet just, Li just leaves. He's uh-huh. there
0: for the opening, and then he gets his cool fight scene, and then we had to get rid of him because yeah. he had something else to shoot. So,
1: yeah. uh, I feel like if we're going to talk about this topic, and this is another low-hanging fruit one, you know, this hurts me because I do love this movie. You can love a bad movie; it's okay. Uh, the opening scene from Ghost Ship. <sighs> yes. God damn the, the Pro- snap wire. Yeah, probably one of the most. Uh, I'll honestly say this, and I say this with. No conviction or no disregard for anything. It's probably one of the best opening scenes in a horror movie ever. Um, it's just, I mean, it's it's perfect. It sets the it sets the setting for this like haunted thing, and you don't know like you have to. They put it together loosely, but you know you figure out why everything happened, and what did. But I mean, there's this awesome scene. They're on this. Nice, think like Titanic esque like dance scene. Everyone's in like
0: like nineteen thirty's kind of yeah. thing,
1: yeah. And then all of a sudden, you just hear this uh, wire come down, and you're viewing everything kind of like third person from this little girl's perspective. So you can't see what happens to her, or nothing happens to her. But then she looks up and she's dancing with the captain of the ship, and half of his face or half of his head just falls off. And she starts looking around, and people are bleeding through like various parts on their torsos, because their bodies have all just been cut in half. It was so crazy. It was so insane. It's a diabolical. Yeah, I'll make a sound, so I'm gonna go south. I found Um Again, not a great movie. Nothing to like really write home about with it. It's not it's not winning any awards unless it's what or so (laughs) unless they had a category for best opening scene in a film. Um, which I'd say we should do, but I'm pretty sure we've done that on the show. And I'm pretty sure we probably talked about Ghost ship at that point. Uh,
0: Uh, and I probably brought, pretty sure I brought the, uh, (laughs) the expendable two have been seen that more, but, um, yeah, I don't think it's not a terrible movie. I've seen definitely seen worse than that, but, uh, that opening scene was, because it sets the bar of, like, you. I went into that with very low expectations, and then that scene happened, and I was like, maybe I should turn my expectations up a not or see that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, see, now I wish I would have come up with more than two.
1: <laughs> uh, I've got another one. Go for it. Um, I've actually got two more. Okay. Uh, I can rapid fire these if we need to, or whatever. Um, did you ever see The Collector? The movie, like, it was done by the Saw producers. It was originally supposed to be, like, a Saw origin story. I want to say yes, because it sounds familiar. Um, did you even know they made a sequel to that called The Collection? Nope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as dear friend of the show, Josh Thacker has referred to it as one of the most unnecessary sequels of all time. And we had this discussion, and it's uh, only possibly second to the movie I'm about to mention after this. It has this awesome, kind of very reminiscent from um, Ghost Ship opening scene and the rest of the movie is just dumb. Like In in a movie that features drugged out meth heads who are so addicted that they're basically rabid and have had their tongues cut out so they can't speak. Uh, In a giant warehouse that no one could locate, even though it's full of electricity and always has lights and noise and people go missing around there, no one can locate. Uh, The opening scene where there's this Party that's only ever mentioned by, like, it's one of those, like, you have to know the passcode to get in. Like, you have okay. to know the passcode. It's that. Um, and it's just this, again, it's more of, like, a party scene, but everyone's on the dance floor. And all of a sudden, like, these doors, like, these giant, like, bar lock things come up on the doors so you can't get out. And you see uh, these spinning blades at the top of the screen that just come down and literally just slaughter everyone on the dance floor. The people that were there was this small corridor that people were in the ceiling lowers on that and kills all of them and I mean it just various small other ways that people get off in that scene. it goes to shit at the end because the main character from the collector is for some reason in a trunk that the killer has brought with him to the scene where he's about to commit mass murder because that makes for a fast to get away, huh, and so he busts out but if you look at probably it's not the very very opening scene because that's got the girl sneaking out of her house to go to the party and everything but i think it's like the second scene in the movie it's really good like it's pretty rad the rest of the movie is terrible <laughs> yeah um and i know you're still looking so I'm, no, i got one for you right, go ahead um
0: I said I got one, and now I lost it. So hold on one second. There we go, okay. Uh, undoubtedly, one of the worst movies ever. Uh, a movie that almost single-handedly killed the franchise. Um, that Somehow we talk about way too much on this show. X-Men Origins Wolverine is a terrible goddamn movie. However, the opening credit mm-hmm. montage with Logan and Creed fighting somehow on the right side of every war america's been in <laughs> i guess with the exception to vietnam uh that whole like just war through time was a great opening segment uh, almost rivaling uh i still think the best opening scene of all time is watchmen uh like yeah. opening credit sequence uh but that one was pretty damn good like everything else I, i'd say maybe the the opening like weapon x attack on the random building thing was kind of cool if the whole movie was just a Weapon X movie, maybe it would have been better. Um, I don't think there was anything Maybe, that trash fire. Yeah, yeah, no, that, was, uh, that whole movie went off the rail pretty quick. But uh, that opening scene was pretty badass. Yeah.
1: Uh, I've got, like, two more I can just shotgun, because the first one, I brought him up. At the beginning of this topic, I brought up Street Fighter when we talked about bad movies with one good actor. Again, the whole thing with Chun-Li being handcuffed and her going through this massive monologue of what you did to my village, you killed my family, blah, 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 blah. And for Raul Julia just to be so straight-faced, so straight-laced, and just to deliver the line, for you, the day Bison invaded your village was the most important day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday. Is, again, I, 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 I talked about how Ghost Ship probably is one of the best opening lines in any movie. That is probably one of the coolest villain lines ever. ever. Yeah. No, yeah, Because he's just so deadpan about it. And he's just like, I am such a mass murderer and such a psycho. It means nothing to me. Well, we're talking about great lines and mass murderers. Oh, God. I can't
0: defend this movie. Oh, God. The Punisher has not had a very great cinematic record. Uh, but the Dolph Lundgren 1989, uh, Punisher movie that I'm pretty sure ended up directed video, not a good movie at all, barely a Punisher movie, Um uh, <laughs> but there is the line where, <laughs> uh, um, Gossett Jr. plays his, Frank's former partner, who's, who's trying to, you know, still remembers the old Frank and is still trying to save him and whatnot, and they... Frank is captured, and they're having a discussion, and and, um, Louis Gossett Jr. says to him something, I can't remember the exact number, but he's like, what do you call 108 people in six months or something, or 108 murders in six months or something like that. And Frank Castle, Dolph Lundgren, with a really bad black hair dye job, uh, just looks to him and says, a work in progress.
1: That's pretty rad.
0: It's a badass line not worth watching the rest of the movie
1: to get through but uh that line always you and and i can defend um you and i can defend the thomas jane one to a point i'll defend
0: that movie all day even the stupidest decisions in that movie are still way better than anything we've got in two seasons of netflix punisher come at me that show is trash
1: Oh, yeah. The best Punisher scene is in the da- is in season two of Daredevil. Yeah,
0: yeah. the The closest we get to awesome Punisher stuff in the Punisher Netflix show is the last like fifteen seconds of season two, <laughs> where they just let him go full on Punisher. And
1: it does suck because I really, I do think Jon Bernthal was a great choice. He's fantastic casting.
0: I hope whenever Marvel gets around doing Punisher again, they just bring him back. You know, yeah. they brought J.K. Spoiler, they brought J.K. Simmons back in Spider Man. You can bring Berenthal back for Punisher because yeah. he's again in Daredevil season two. He nails the character, and then they never give him anything Punisher-y to do again.
1: Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I had one, but now I just forgot it.
0: Did you ever see Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets?
1: I didn't, but it popped up when I was researching this. Okay, out.
0: there's one scene. Me and I think me and Jason saw this movie when he was here to visit. And we both, came, we both went in super excited, being like, "This like the visuals look fantastic, uh, it's got a great cast. You guys nice. went
1: and saw that right before Lexicon.
0: Probably. Yeah. Uh, Luke Besson, you know, a uh, guy who directed Fifth Element, and, the professional. and the professional, yeah. Like, great director, so like, we're super excited for this. Didn't know anything about the comic going in, so we were both kind of excited to like, you know, explore a new world. Yeah. One of the opening seg- uh, sequences is a virtual reality heist. It's it's this big like black market, but it's all in VR. So people are literally just walking around a giant fenced in open space in the desert, but with their VR, it looks like they're in like a giant building. So you get this really interesting contrast between what they're seeing in the VR world and what they're actually physically in. Uh, it's a whole heist scene played out like a, like an Oculus Rift Oculus Rift uh, theft scene,
1: and That's it's a right. really
0: yeah like. It, it's one of those things where like, you barely know who is who and what's going on, but just like that premise is really interesting, and the way they play with it is really entertaining. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the movie is lots of really awesome visuals and bland characters and a story that makes no goddamn sense. Uh, but that scene was really interesting to watch. Um, and I need to go back and revisit the movie and, and give it a second try. Because, uh, again, amazing visuals. Um, but just, like, characters, like, by the, even at the end of that movie, like, I just don't give a shit about
1: anybody in that movie. That's
0: not a very good sign.
1: Um, I've got to, and I just thought of this, because uh, I saw it, um, it, it's a sequel I'd wanted for a long time until I saw it in theaters. Um, 28 weeks later, it, it, it was okay. I understand they definitely went with more of a definitely had more of alien aliens comparison on the lower budget but the action more action. Movie, yeah but that opening scene where they're like eating stew by candlelight and you think it's gonna be like midnight or something and then like one of the one of the like logs or something gets busted out and you see the zombies and you see that it's just like this bright afternoon and they're just they've just basically locked themselves in this cabin in the middle of nowhere Uh, was just, like, again, the movie, not fantastic, not great, but, like, that opening scene, especially where the guy who turns out to be one of the main characters just abandons his family, just Mm. runs off and fucking leaves them. It was savage. Um, That's pretty much the only way to put it. I mean, it was he was so on board with the fuck you all, I'm here for me situation. And some of those opening kills were good, some of that, but like, then it just went in this weird kind of like political direction even to a point. Yeah. It does have Hawkeye, so. so. It has Jim Renner, so I have to defend it. So.
0: <laughs> it's part of the lost years of Hawkeye. <clears throat> when he was a SWAT cop with Bullseye. Uh, led by Sam Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Or led by Nick Theory. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get that's that's again we're only supposed to do one of
1: these so. yeah so I think we've done good at like so
0: let th- us know what are some other great scenes from otherwise
1: awful movies yeah uh,
0: and that doesn't mean have to mean that you know you don't enjoy the movie again you can enjoy a bad movie it's oh, no. okay I love Ghost Ship
1: <laughs> it's okay love Ghost Ship I you have know, they, they paid for that one Mud song and song and motherfucker they use it <laughs> um, um, I own Deep Rising.
0: on Blu-ray so I understand you can love a bad movie okay
1: oh I bought I bought the special edition of Maximum Overdrive Maximum Overdrive on Blu-ray so okay like I mean I I have some money to burn apparently yeah (laughs) you you know you know how the Amazon credit flows in uh, Christmas season so it does Uh, well well, before we get on okay okay I I really want to rant about something okay I was messaging Flanagan about this earlier um and I don't know if you'll have, like, a lot of insight about this. Uh, by the time this goes up, it will have been four days since Monday Night Raw aired, so I don't really even consider this a spoiler. Sasha Banks came back on Monday. Okay. Um, it, it was cool. I'd kind of been expecting it. But, like, I didn't expect it how it went down or anything. And it was just, like, Natalia came out. She got this emotional promo, like, even talking about her dad, who died last year. Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And, you know, like, she's sitting there. She's cutting this promo and all of a sudden Sasha's music hit. Sasha comes out. She's got, like, the the flowing purple hair and everything. She hugs Natty. They have this moment in the middle of the ring. We're, like, talking. And then Sasha just beats the fuck out of her, rips off the purple wig. Her hair is blue now. I don't know what that's supposed to symbolize, but sure, whatever. Then Becky comes out, and she just goes to town on Becky Lynch with a chair. Huh. I mean, she just fucking gets it. Um, And that's not even the point I was... I I, I told that story to now bring this up. There's a wrestling, and I'm putting this in air quotes, and Flanagan, I really hope you enjoy this, and I really hope you throw in your two cents next week. There's this wannabe wrestling news informer by the name of Brad Shepard who got his fucking panties in a bunch because... No one was giving him credit for breaking the story. Brad Shepard also... What story did he say he broke? He said he broke the story that Sasha was returning on Monday Night Raw. Okay. This was the ninth time in four months he'd broken a story that Sasha Banks was going to be coming back.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So it's the 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 world
1: is ending guy, and he just finally got right once. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the boy who cried wolf, and the the time he actually cried wolf, no one believes him. Yeah. So the dude has his panties in a bunch, to the point where on Twitter, people like no people aren't even tagging him, so he's name searching himself. Insert jerk off motion. Um, and like retweeting and like calling people out, and it's just like. When Dave Meltzer fucks up, like, if Dave Meltzer, like, has, like, you know, he had the negative, uh, when he stupidly made that comment about, uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce and said uh, something along the lines of the only talent they have is in their chest. Um, you know, people were tweeting out stuff like negative six stars to him because he's the dude, like, the Meltzer score is the bible of professional wrestling ratings. Okay. Um... But, you know, like, not even Dave Meltzer would, like, name-search himself to talk to people about it. What level of jack, like, of jackass masturbatory do you have to be at to name-search yourself to try and get into Twitter arguments with people?
0: Remember earlier when I said, I uh, guess when you send somebody the here's that
1: attention you ordered meme? Yeah, it's the same situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, and I understand it's definitely a <laughs> douchebag thing, but I really just wanted to, like... Just I feel like the the wrestling industry specifically has this. Everyone wants to be in the backstage. No, yeah, like everyone wants to know what's going on backstage, to the point where I've like, kind of pulled away from all that. Like, you know, I I read stuff that I see on Reddit. Like I've seen that both the Usos have had several DUIs in the past couple years. I will go on the record right now and say I think. They both need to go to rehab for it. They both need to seek treatment. However, you're not going to find me tweeting about that. You're not going to find me doing anything in those kind of situations aside from years and years ago, uh, CM Punk was trending on Twitter because he'd been spotted in Chicago. John, where does CM Punk live? Chicago? Guess where he's lived for almost the entire 40 years he's been on this earth. Well, seeing his name is CM Punk Chicago. Sheboygan? Yes. Okay. Sheboygan. And it was just one of those things where I I just tweeted, and I was like, CM Punk is trending because someone saw him. Again, did not tag him in the tweet. CM Punk is trending because someone spotted him in Chicago. Dot, 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 dot. The town he lives in. Dot, 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 dot. The town he's lived in most of his life. This is why people hate wrestling fans. I, And it's just this... Again, maybe it's just me, but I feel like is Hey, did you hear Chris Hemsworth is hanging out in Australia? Fuck, really? I know, right? Sweet. What next? You're gonna tell me Sean Connery's hanging out like somewhere in Europe, Scotland? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. That uh, look, look. I don't know if you heard this. The president of the United States probably goes to the White House on occasion. What? No, yeah.
0: no. He lives in uh, Maricino, Mar- 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 Marilago. There you the Mar-
1: go. <laughs> cherry. Yep. That's where he lives. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I. Uh, as someone who's a casual wrestling fan and who I, I still think I have a very outsider opinion on wrestling because I, I do you're name-dropping people and I'm reminded of conversations I used to have with Kemp where he would just drop names and I'd be like, I don't know who any of those people <laughs> the, are, the, but the, good
1: talking, bro. And the, thing, the thing I posted on Twitter today was, was mention, mentioned... Uh, I, I genuinely didn't know who Brad Shepard was until 72 hours ago. When... um. There's, a. I saw this on Reddit, there was an Instagram account called Curbside Hero where the O is a zero instead. Okay. They post, I mean, honestly, it's more just their opinions about wrestling. Okay. And they're kind of trolly, kind of douchey. So they always call out Brad Shepard when he predicts mm-hmm. incorrect news. And he reported them so much for bullying that their account was threatened with deletion. Well, first of all, YouTube sucks. Instagram. Even worse. Fair. Uh,
0: but no, like there, there is like, we talked about gatekeeping fans in the past and, 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 you know, people who are so attached to a fandom and so possessive of a fandom that if you, if you're not on their level, you know, you're a filthy noob and get the hell out. like, that's a bit of a hurdle to get over when you start meeting wrestling fans, is because there are so many of them who are in the same boat as you and Flanagan, who you've watched it your whole lives and you love it and you know every you know kayfabe term and all this. You know, it's 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 a very steep learning curve if you're a new wrestling fan. Oh yeah, and it can very much turn you sour very quickly. I do dare be sour because <laughs> it, it there's so many douchebags out there yeah. who. Again, I get it to a level because if you're a fan of something that long, you do feel like it's your thing, and you do feel a, a bit of of. You know, I've been watching, you know, I've been watching wrestling for thirty years. I know this. Like it, you do get that sort of possessiveness.
1: I understand that. Talk to me about Ghostbusters sometime. Dear, I'm the same fucking way. I, I really like uh, dear friend uh, Justin Stewart. Love Justin to death. He's an amazing, talented artist. Just, artist a uh, dude who has a lot of great insight about a lot of things he said he saw something uh about i want to say it was the gotham decision to turn penguin gay okay. on the show okay and he saw someone be like well that's not my penguin and justin was like it's not you didn't create the character <laughs> it's literally not, <laughs> not yours. your character
0: the, did you see the, the the fan who got into an uh, Instagram argument? Or maybe it was Twitter. It was Twitter argument with Frank Oz about Yoda.
1: I literally just <laughs> listened to our episode about that the okay. other day. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I get that. But but there's... I forget exactly where I was going with this. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot of gatekeeping in wrestling. And there are a lot of people... And it, it's gotten to the point now where... Because every wrestler is on social media... And because there's so many YouTube channels dedicated to following wrestling, wrestling as a whole, yeah. it's we talk about trying to go into movies blind, where you know, where, like I didn't watch the trailer, I'm not following the behind the scenes stories. I just want to go watch the movie. Yeah. Like that's how I am with wrestling. I don't want to know whose contract is up, and who signed with what, and who's feuding with who in real life backstage, and who's you know gone to an accident, and, and like that ruins wrestling. Like watching SummerSlam knowing already that my boy Finn was going to lose, not because he's helping put over a wrestler who's coming back, but because he's about to take two months off. Like, it was fun to
1: watch him wrestle, but I knew exactly what was going to happen before it happened. And as I said when we were watching on Sunday, he got more offense than I was expecting. I was expecting it to be the burial of Finn Balor on Sunday. Um, Side note to that, that Fiend entrance may be one of my favorite wrestling entrances of all time it's pretty good I like that uh, character yeah um and that lantern that lantern <laughs> though,
0: man uh, that lantern was trying that, to that way
1: oh I'm sure I'm sure um but uh, it, it's
0: very intimidating and it, it's, it's, it's part of just the culture we live in now where it used to be you know in the days of like Hogan and Piper and those guys and social media didn't exist yeah. you didn't know shit about whose contract was up when and who was like all that real life shit didn't matter that you didn't know that it was just the characters and the storylines and and you know obviously you knew going in like well again like with the finn fight even if i knew finn wasn't going to be taking a two-month hiatus the storyline the way it's building finn's going to lose this match yeah. because we're build building yeah. up the fiend that's fine uh but now i know it's going to be at least two months before there's any kind of rematch and it's like well at that point no one's going to give a fuck about that anymore because
1: wrestling works in like six week storylines nowadays yeah. Um, The the only way anyone cares about Fiend versus Balor is if, like, Fiend beats the ever-loving shit out of someone. And then you you don't hear Balor's music. You hear the the, the heartbeat for the demon. Demon doesn't even have to show up. You just hear the heartbeat, the music hits, fade to something, and you just have this, like, mind game bullshit for a few weeks. Yeah. but like I mean and to say I don't completely follow the backstage stuff is it's inescapable. Yeah, it's it's a like complete it, fabrication for a guy like I like, don't
0: seek any of this out. And I knew going in a serviceable well, fin's taking two months off. Yeah, like I, I knew and I do not seek um, this out or follow people. But so. like
1: the only kind of stuff I follow is I do follow some contract negotiation stuff. Like I think it's idiotic that they're holding uh Luke Harper hostage. they're literally just paying him to sit him at, or paying him to sit at home. And apparently as of today, Vince McMahon has gone back on his handshake agreement with Dolph Ziggler, where Ziggler wrestled his appearances, he was going out on his back, putting uh, Goldberg of all fucking yeah. people over, in, in a match where everyone would have given a shit if it had been the people, the guy who's been to, compared to Shawn Michaels all of his life, and a final, real good match for Shawn Michaels, because that Saudi Arabia shit was terrible last year (laughs) we're not talking about that um like the you know they planted the seeds for that match and then it was just like Goldberg and it's like okay this is pointless you sucked the air out of the room like I follow stuff like that because I find that kind of stuff interesting and being on reddit being a wrestling fan in real life I if someone's involved in a car accident if someone gets suspended yeah. if there's stuff like that i'm going to hear about yeah um like i said some of it is inescapable but like i don't i don't You know, <coughs> there's stuff about like finding out how much people get paid yeah and like what they get for appearances and what their like merchandise percentages off that and it's just like i don't care yeah,
0: we had this talk about uh, movies on the show before, but like you know, at what point does knowing too much about like the behind-the-scenes stuff of a movie detract from your enjoyment of the movie? Yeah. I think with wrestling, it's 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 dialed up to eleven. Yeah. The more you know about all that backstage shit, I feel like that lessens your enjoyment of the wrestling. And I, I get to because there's kind of that chicken or the egg thing. Because it's like, does knowing about the backstage stuff hurt my enjoyment of wrestling? Or am I seeking out the backstage stuff because I'm not enjoying wrestling and yeah. I want to know why they're making these decisions? Yeah, um,
1: and the one of the other things I always kind of go back to is like, I'm going to use the the Ziggler thing as an example of like, I, I don't always go back to this. This is the first time I'm going to say this. I, I don't know why I said that. Um, we're now entering a point where news about wrestlers in certain companies is going to matter more because of AEW. Mm -hmm. Gun to my head. uh, The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are wrestling Chris Jericho and two mystery partners on October 2nd, 4th, whatever it is, for the debut of AEW on TNT. I would have predicted it would have been Ryan and Nick... Dolph Ziggler nameth the nameth brothers as Jericho's partner making their debut as a tag team on TV if Vince had honored that, con- that right. deal he had with Ziggler since he's not no oh, oh. it's funny we're talking about Ziggler he's probably going on stage about 20 minutes at of Comedy <laughs> Off Broadway um, so yeah we gotta go <laughs> we, we gotta head um, but no like it's just and they're like that's the kind of stuff i do find interesting are the contract disputes and all that but like when the news about Brie Bella being pregnant broke I was like I would have found out in a few weeks anyway they're gonna mention it on TV like
0: yeah I, good for you you reported on a story and it turned out to be true that's great I could literally pull scenarios and names out of a fucking hat and guess you that's gonna happen on wrestling yeah. like it, it get
1: over yourself yeah, and it's very much one of those things where it's like Is it really reporting a story if you're posting, like, Bree's Twitter photo of her holding up a positive pregnancy (laughs) test? that You're just retweeting at that point. Hey, man,
0: I totally called that in Spider-Man Far From Home, Mysterio was going to be the bad guy. Yeah, no one's giving me credit for breaking. I I called that on this show when the first trailer hit, man. And no one is giving me my attention or my 15 minutes because I called that.
1: Brad Shepard, calm down. No,
0: I'm going to go on Twitter and look up people who are mentioning (laughs) my name
1: but didn't tag me in it. So, yeah, and I I know uh, Flanagan responded to me, or the, the show responded to me on Twitter calling him and tagging him about being such a dick. And I'll actually still throw this out there on air. Brad Shepard, if you want to come on our show and defend yourself and show actual true evidence that you were the person, the absolute first person on Monday, not your prediction for SummerSlam last Sunday because she didn't show up Sunday, if you want to come on our show and show undeniable proof that you were the first person to break the story that Sasha was showing up on Raw we're giving you that opportunity we will Skype you in do whatever I'm not paying you to come to Lexington because I don't nah. really give a shit about we're also you. not
0: tagging you in the post about this because you can just look it up on your own
1: we Yeah, we're probably going to tag them on Twitter no we're not we're not... No, we're, fuck that guy. Fuck that
0: guy. I don't even know who he is, but fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. If I had sound clips right now, I would play the Christian
1: Bale behind the scenes. Oh, good for you! <laughs> yeah. So, I, I just... I really wanted to rant and complain about it's that for good. a few minutes. And If you can't rant on your own podcast, <laughs> where thinking, are you going to rant? I figure we need to pad for time. So. Uh, well,
0: I don't know. Because this next topic... <sighs> yeah. Now, this is going to be... I, I apologize. So, this is... One of, if not the last, of our fix-a-film, I think we'll do more. But I think this is the last of the first batch, anyway. So, for the last few weeks, we've been doing fix-a-film, which is a little different from our fix-a-franchise stuff we used to do. Uh, The concept is take a, a movie that's mostly regarded as being a bad movie, and watch the movie as it is, and pretend that you are a producer who just saw that as a rough cut of the film. What do you do? How do you fix it? Can you fix it? Um, so we're trying not to do stuff like oh, just scrap the whole, throw the whole thing out and redo it. Like no, no, take what you've got and try to work with it, try to make it better. Um, is is the idea behind this? We've already done Mortal Kombat Annihilation,
1: and what was the
0: first one we did? Uh,
1: it was a sequel. Yep. No, no, it wasn't a yeah, it was yeah. A sequel. Oh, yep. uh, Jason takes a boat. There you. Go. <laughs> Jason takes Manhattan.
0: Uh, And in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, today we are tackling the killer of the Blade franchise, Blade Trinity. Um, Which is appropriate because we just talked about how backstage uh, or or knowledge of behind the scenes shenanigans can affect your enjoyment of a film. We're going to get into some of that. Um, We love the Blade franchise, Blade 1 great movie as never given the credit it deserves it was a pre-matrix pre-spider-man pre-x-men comic book movie oh, it yeah. came out the same year as batman and robin really yes like that movie does not get the credit it deserves for being no, the first uh r-rated comic book movie and the first african-american-led superhero movie suck it black panther who say is beat you to it um, by about
1: 21 yeah, years that,
0: the movie just never gets the credit it deserves yeah. but all that being
1: said Blade 2 probably just the single greatest thing ever put to film it is it's like, it's like Citizen Kane
0: <laughs> uh, you can't see but my hand is like at my waist Citizen Kane, Godfather Shawshank. and then Shawshank. Shawshank and then way over top of my head because I can't reach any farther than that Blade 2. Yeah, that's true. That is uh, just factual. Fact, Guillermo del Toro won an Academy Award. Fact, Guillermo del Toro directed to Blade 2. That's true. There go, sorry, ergo, because I'm the architect now, uh, Blade 2, greatest movie of all time. It's true. You can't argue
1: that much. I logic. believe my, my, my cousin Harrison put it best when he said, as a film I've forgotten the Lifetime Achievement Award, I think that would be pretty for Blade <laughs> 2. <laughs> Uh, and the last time we did an episode, just the two of us, we told you why Blade
0: Two was the greatest movie ever. You can go back and listen to that because we're not talking about that today. Today we're talking about the weak limp to the barn that was Blade Trinity. Um, where do you start? Hold on, I got two pages. Oh uh, God, um,
1: yeah. Um, I, I can give you five words, to, okay. or four words to um, just fix part
0: of it. Before we get to that, let me set the stage for how bad this movie is. Because I did some homework. So, Ebert. Acclaimed film critic. Roger Ebert. Gave Blade 1 3 out of 4 stars.
1: Fair.
0: He gave Blade 2 3.5 out of 4 stars. He gave Blade Trinity an astounding 1.5 out of 4? I mean, I would have given it like a half. That actually seems high. That seems way too high. Uh, It has like a 28... I think on Cinema Score, uh, it's 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 bad.
1: It's bad. Uh, I believe Zach Conley of all people has my favorite Letterboxd review of all time for any movie with his Blade Trinity review of this movie just makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and his his Blade two, his Blade two review is one hundred out of five stars. <laughs> it's the greatest it's true uh here's yeah. the thing like and I, I know we we, we mentioned blade 2 a lot on the show i know we give it praise the thing is that's not a bit no it's not a we're genuine <laughs> yeah we're genuine i we love that movie yeah uh when it comes to superhero films uh blade 2 is number one when it comes to comic book films blade 2 is number one honestly if, if it's if we're talking comic book films, I don't even think we get into the Marvel in my top five to be nah. straightforward.
0: It's uh, it's it's really the last time we've seen any kind of horror superhero yeah. crossover because uh, that that's the great thing about the Blade franchise is the first one is very much a action horror hybrid. The second movie with Del Toro pushes things much more into the comic book realm of
1: you know probably that first scene is like straight horror oh yeah uh Uh, it's it's
0: he's he's walking that wire uh walking that tightrope uh and then the third one i don't know what to describe it boring maybe convoluted Convoluted? (laughs) (laughs) uh it's one of those you you watch it and you like okay how many drafts of the script did we go through, and what draft were we on when we started shooting, and what draft were we on when we ended shooting? Because there's no fucking way this was like a, a a coherent script to begin with, and it it. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying not to get angry here, yeah, because uh, I don't say this often, but David Goyer, what the fuck?
1: He wrote Blade Two
0: and Blade One. He wrote then, then Batman let, Begins. Then they let him direct. He co wrote The Dark Knight, yeah. which is one of the greatest movies of all time. Clearly the guy has talent. Like he reinvented Blade in Blade One and then carried it forward for Blade Two, and this should have been a fucking slam dunk if he's getting to write and direct the third chapter of Blade. I,
1: I did not look up. Did did they slash the budget between Blade Two and Blade Trinity? Um I can I'll check. look. I, I don't check.
0: if they it couldn't. Have, I mean, none of those movies were very huge. I don't think any of those movies cost more than maybe sixty million dollars. Like they were never a huge uh, budget. The 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 problem here was baggage. David Goyer had stuff he wrote in Blade One and wrote in Blade Two that got cut, and he really really wanted to do them, whether they made any sense or not. Uh, so we got them in Blade. That opening car chase is left over from Blade One. which is why the car is back. Uh, that whole thing with people being uh you know vacuum formed sealed uh in, in uh, uh, Reynolds wraps so Left over from Blade yeah, Two. Yeah. You know, Left over from Blade One actually. Really? Yeah.
1: Um It you... had the budget for Blade uh-huh. 2, million Yeah. The and it made hundred and fifty four million. The budget for Blade Trinity sixty five million one hundred and twenty eight point nine. Box office. Yeah. It's not good. Um
0: yeah. So you get again, you get a script that has so many ideas going on that none of them really ever tie together. Um I'm just gonna run through my notes from watching the film real quick, because most of them are negative. First of all, I'll give it this. The one thing you can say about Blade Two it has not aged the greatest. There's some really shoddy CGI.
1: That CGI fight in front of the lights. is
0: So, full props to Blade 3 for going physical and practical with the majority of their stuff. The fight scenes, there's not a lot of wire food. It's a lot of just choreography. That whole car chase scene is real. Um, even when Dracula turns into like the monster form of Dracula. That's a suit. It's a guy yeah, in a yeah. suit. Yeah, so props to that. Um, speaking of Dracula, why are you... Uh, uh, Why frame Blade for murdering a human if you're just going to have Dracula come and kill him? Because those are two stories that happen in the same one. Uh, What makes Blade cool is that he lives in a completely different world from the rest of us. That's what the first movie was about. Is you live in this world, let me show you the real world underneath it that Blade lives in. The second movie (coughs) took that world and cranked it to 11. (coughs) Bless you. This movie...
1: the vampire nightclub.
0: Yeah, this movie grinds everything back to a halt to put Blade... to force Blade back into
1: the real world. Why? And the thing is, they could've... they could've turned that... that car scene that ends with him spiking a human into something awesome. They could've, and it's one of those things that, like, when you see it and you're like, holy crap, they're setting the groundwork. Like, here we go. Then, like, ten minutes later, you're like, what? Well, it, uh,
0: <clears throat> Blade was never cool with the authorities. In Blade 1, he gets shot by cops in a hospital. Yeah. Like, you're not giving us anything new. We know he's a vigilante. He's a criminal. If the cops see him, he's probably a wanted murderer. We know he's killed humans. He doesn't consider a familiar to be a human because you're working for the vampires. Yeah. So, fuck you. Like, that's not new information. I get maybe you're reiterating because it's the third movie, but again, like you said, like there's that, that plot thread of we're going to set Blade up and have the human world take him down. Okay, then why are you getting Dracula? Because those plot threads never come together. Those are two separate plot threads the entire movie. Uh, side note, James Remar's back on the list. <laughs> he was Raiden right in, in World Combat Annihilation. He's random FBI guy in Blade Trinity. I'd say we're happy to see you, James, but get some better work. Come on, James. You were in one of my favorite movies ever. Um, Trying to make sense of my chicken scratch from late at night. The Death of Whistler, again, which is bullshit because it happens and we never fucking talk about it. Um, But you
1: have to introduce his uh, stepdaughter.
0: Which I will come back to because that was a good idea that they handled terribly. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, give Dracula a fucking personality? Anything? I'll cover that. Okay, good. Uh, and vampire dogs are done. How much did that CGI cost?
1: Because, oh, and the, the downside is it's not anything new. It's just the rehash of the creatures from Blade Trinity. Yeah, 2.
0: it's, it's Reaper's uh, uh, jaws on a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, so many randoms, and we haven't even gotten to, so the, the whole thing of, of Blade Trinity is... They tear down everything Blade has, his support structure, they kill Whistler, they take away all his stuff, they raid his his, his, uh, his base, uh, he's he's literally alone, the vampires are closing in on him, and he has to, to find new friends, so he finds it in the form of Abigail Whistler and Hannibal King, and their weird Scooby gang of vampire hunters. Which,
1: honestly, in terms of casting, I liked all that. I hate all that. Really? Yeah. I'm actually not <laughs> even against, like, keep in mind, I... Badly did homework and didn't watch play Trinity. It's okay. I, I can't bring myself to do it. I watched it last night. Um, is, I don't, I don't know why. That's uh, bad. Like, the cast... The, the cast, of them, like...
0: Oh, no, no. Like, are cast, for the most part, well for their roles. My problem is the entire inclusion of that group. That's what I was saying. Okay. I'm okay. fine with the cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, they're... Okay.
1: They're...
0: Um, I don't... I think Pat Oswalt is a bit redundant, because he's there for comic relief, but yeah. you have Ryan Reynolds cracking a joke every two seconds, yeah. so... It's a lot of jokiness when you have Ryan Reynolds and Patton Oswalt the room together. They're trying to out-joke each other a little bit. Uh, but it... it well, you can tell a lot of it's just padding for time. Well, and we'll get to that. Because, again, there's some behind-the-scenes shit to take into account here. But oh, like, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, my first big thing with the story is, if you're going to keep... Because, again, we're looking at this from the point of how do you fix what we have. You have to tie... The Dracula... Sorry. The Dracula... Yeah, Dracula. Because we're not gonna call him fucking Drake the entire goddamn movie. His name is Dracula. Sorry. Sorry. Drake. Drac. Even. I'll take that. If you don't want to say Dracula because that's too many syllables, fine. Call him Drac. Call him Vlad. Call him Lord. Call him whatever. He's got plenty of names. Don't call him Drake. Um... (laughs) we're we're not going to recast Dominic Purcell even though I really wish we could because Dominic Purcell playing Dracula now might be kind of cool him playing Dracula in 2004 he just looks like a baby he just looks like a big bald-chested baby and I don't take him seriously as a threat to Blade ever oh, we're uh, we're going to get there I did yeah. a ton
1: of recasting okay
0: okay okay Uh, so here's my pitch without recasting people for the most part so um, post Blade 2 the vampires uh, the vampire nation has no leadership they're disorganized because we killed them off at Blade 2 those that are left are trying to find Dracula because they need strong leadership they're literally getting their asses kicked by Blade and all these Hannibal King and Abigail Whistler these new hunters are popping up um, they're they're on dire straits uh, I'm borrowing a little bit from Dark Knight uh, here where you know the, the the criminal world's turning to someone they don't quite understand kind of thing um, so Whistler and Blade uh, get taken down by the FBI because they're trying the vampires are trying to flush them out of hiding uh, they're trying to drag them into the spotlight so they can basically tie Blade's hands up long enough that they can go focus on finding Dracula and not fending off Blade um we find out that the FBI, the lead officer, is under Dracula's control. Because the thing I want to play up in this is we've, we've, they keep saying, I watched all the behind-the-scenes shit too, and they keep saying, it's the third movie, you want to do something new. It's the third movie, you want to bring something new into it. Okay, cool. Up until this point, the vampires in the Blade universe are very sci-fi. It is a virus that mutates a human body. In the second movie, the Reapers are an augmented strain of that virus. The thing we've never seen in a Blade movie is Blade taking on an old-school supernatural vampire. When they first talk about Dracula, they're very quick to say, oh yeah, all that stuff from the the movies and the books, that's all bullshit. He can't turn into animals or mist or any of that crap. 30 seconds later, he shapeshifts throughout the entire movie. So apparently he gets some superpowers, but just not those superpowers. Fuck you, go full-out Dracula so the fbi uh, agent in charge who's hunting down blade is under the control of dracula a la renfield from bram Stoker's dracula uh so now you're directly tying those things in together dracula is just using the fbi as a tool to tie blade up uh i'm trying to get through all my notes that i really really wrote in chicken scratch uh so blades on the run Whistler's dead uh, by Dracula's hand in my version of the story um, Blade has to turn to Abigail and Hannibal King for help. He, he finds out that Whistler uh, has been setting up other uh, um, Splinter cells of vampire hunters throughout the world. Uh, that's not just blade and him uh, So he's now turning to the nearest cell for help and that happens to be Abigail and Whistler and blade and Abigail bond over the loss of Whistler and my version Abigail is not the whole, I was uh, born later out of wedlock yeah, she's bullshit. Not a, she's, she's not a bastard. Yeah, no, no. She's straight up, she's, she was an infant when Whistler's family, his his wife and his other daughter were killed in the incident he tells us about in the first movie. She was an infant. Whistler gave her up for adoption because at that point he was going off to dedicate his life to kill vampires oh, and he yeah. couldn't raise a child. She, when she turns 18, tracks him down because she she has vague recollections of what happened because, again, she was an infant finds out what happened to her her family and now she wants in on the family business so whistler's been training abby in secret this is the first time blade meets her uh, but he knows of her they bond over that death literally i have blade giving abigail uh with the gun from the first movie the mac 10 from the first one that yeah. was whistler's gun that whistler gave to blade blade gives that to abigail in act three because uh, guns are cool um so the plan is to turn vampirism into, uh, to, to, take over the whole world, uh, turn everyone into vampires. Um, we'll do the whole thing where they're saving people to, to breed and feed more, you know, uh, food basically. Uh, the Night Stalkers have a sample of this virus that Dracula and them are trying to use. Uh, and he's trying, they're, they're trying to reverse it, which is where the whole Daystar virus thing comes from, which is not in my version, a thing that kills all vampires. It's literally, we had, we don't know how to kill Dracula. Kind of go back to the Reapers in Blade Two, where the usual vampire killing methods don't necessarily work uh, because they've been engineered uh, to be resistant to them. Well, Dracula's a whole different ball of yarn. So silver, sunlight, garlic, all the usual things. So the the first, that whole stupid chase scene um, where Blade's running after Dracula, and you don't know why Dracula's running from Blade the entire time, and then he kidnaps a baby and throws it off a roof, and Blade catches it and says, coochie yeah, that's gone. We're axing all that. Instead, the first time Blade and Dracula meet because it's fucking Blade and he spent his whole life killing fucking vampires, they get into a knockdown drag-out fight where Blade pulls out every weapon and every tool in his arsenal to try to kill Dracula and nothing works. Nothing. Silver, he's already out in daylight. Uh uh garlic, uh the EDTA coagulant, you know, puff you up shit. Nothing works. Blade gets his ass kicked by Dracula, who pulls out a whole host of supernatural powers, turning into mist, turning into a bat, uh, trying to hypnotize him, but Blade's immune to that. It's literally these two titans sizing each other up in a first fight, and Blade gets his ass kicked, so that we can set up the rematch going into Act 3. I don't have the whole story, you know, beat for beat, but basically... um, We've already had to use Wesley Snipes' stunt double through most of this movie. and We'll get into that, I'm sure, in a minute. Uh, so we don't necessarily have to get Wesley back to do all these reissues. Just get his stunt double to do these fight scenes. We'll be okay. Uh, so then going into Act 3, the Daystar thing is an augmented version of the vampire's own virus. That we, we get a sample of Dracula's blood from that first fight. And we make a version that it's, it's this virus that can kill him. We're using science to take down the supernatural Um, third act goes as as, as it it does in the movie we have to go rescue Hannibal Uh, oh the one other change I make axe the whole Scooby gang don't need it. the one person I want you to bring back because we're trying to do this virus thing Karen from Blade 1 the I forget the name the blood doctor who who literally figures out in the first movie a cure for vampirism bring her back there's a skill set we can use (laughs) Uh, I don't it's not
1: like you saw her in much after that exactly so
0: so yeah bring her back she's working with Abigail and and Hannibal to try to figure out this virus as a character you can bring back you know show Blade some humanity if you want to whatever get that love triangle going again Um, bring her back that's where the virus and all that stuff comes from through Karen not some random character we just met because it's the third movie tied all back to the first one which I was hard to do uh third act goes down as usual we're rescuing hannibal we kill a bunch of vampires we use a bunch of cool weapons uh blade and dracula have the epic rematch She can still be a giant sword fight that the one cool thing in that movie is that they have an epic sword fight and that's always cool um Motherfucker. I would say.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah fuck that movie
0: yeah um and then in the end, it's it plays out the same way because I actually don't hate the ending of Abigail, you know, shooting the the arrow virus into Drake, him dying. But his last act is to, because he respects Blade so much, uh, is to turn him to shapeshift into Blade. So the cops come and they think they have Blade's corpse. And then in the, the hospital morgue, it turns back into Dracula. Uh, I would have an ash up at the end there. So you're getting rid of Ryan
1: Reynolds too. No, no, Ryan Reynolds is there. Okay. Uh, you're we're just getting rid of everyone else. Yeah, we're
0: gonna cut. I'm. I'm. I don't mind Hannibal King. I think he's a great foil to Blade. Blade is a guy who speaks through actions, not words. He's a guy that he doesn't speak very much. Hannibal is the exact opposite. Yeah. He never stops talking. Those are fun foibles to watch play with each other. Uh, I think because they had got nothing from from Wesley Snipes to work with, that they went a little heavy on on uh, Ryan Reynolds and his his jokey. Uh, and even to the point where, like, Abigail doesn't really ever get anything other than, oh, I'm um, sort of related to Whistler. Um, but anyway, so those are my story notes, my thoughts, my ideas about restructuring Blade. Um, I still don't think it makes a good movie, but at least it kind of makes a better movie. It, it, it connects some loose plot threads. It, it tries to uh, uh, to cut the story down to something that you can follow.
1: Um, I don't know. And here's the thing: I'm going to do my recasting okay. first because I feel like once we start talking about the other thing, we're going to go for a while. Okay. Um. Here's my thing: I I recast three roles. Okay. Um. Just a sec. Okay. The people are act are, are Parker Posey, uh-huh. uh huh, Triple H, Triple H, and Dominic Purcell. Okay. Um. And here's the thing: I even gave myself parameters. I had to find someone I think would be a good replacement for the role, but physically still kind of had to have the same characteristics. Okay. Uh, Parker Posey's automatically gone. Okay. That lisp, that fucking lisp she has because of the fake teeth the entire movie just kills it for me. And she's way too hokey. And if you want to get someone in there to play... Female Deacon Frost, which is what she is. Female Deacon Frost and the ex-girlfriend of Hannibal King I think you want someone who's gonna have who can come off a little darker okay who can come off not even more I'm honestly just gonna say kind of a more depressed look can I scribble who I think you're gonna say sure if you guess this I'm going to be shocked no okay um, I would go with, later this year, she came out with what was kind of a cult comedy hit. That year being 2004? Yeah. Okay. And uh, she was great in Donnie Darko. Jim Malone. Uh, she would have been 20 at the time. So, I, I, I really think she would have been a good fit. Because she was, she still had, she had a lot of popularity at that point. Because Donnie Darko came out in 2000, really didn't hit until about 2002, 2003. Yeah. When it hit the, like, the home video market. Yeah. So you've got built-in fan base there. You're grabbing the goth crowd simply by having the girlfriend from Donnie Darko in your movie. Um, For the record, my scribble guess was Faruza Balk from The Craft, which is a good. I mean, it. But at the same time, I feel like you're just typecasting. Yeah, her and Parker Posey just kind of seem. That's eh, fair. Uh-huh. For Triple H, um, I told myself I had to keep a wrestler. Okay. In 2004. You go with a guy who hadn't really made much of an action statement yet until the next year. You go with The Rock. Nah. No? Nah.
0: The Rock has too much personality because that character is just... He's a goon. That's fair. He's the vampire equivalent of Jaws. And my only issue with Triple H, other than that stupid fucking ponytail... uh, Why does a vampire have silver teeth in the Blade universe? Because silver kills them, but he has silver... Again... He's supposed to be Vampire Jaws from James Bond. Casting, okay, fine. He's there just to have a big knockdown drug fight with Ryan Reynolds. He does that well.
1: Uh, the Rock has...
0: You can't Fair. cast He's The Rock just personal. to be the goon. He's too much The Rock. Um, yeah.
1: Then, again, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it wrestling. Okay. And we'll go with the, the second time I've mentioned him on this, because he played the Russian in the Thomas Jane Punisher, Kevin Nash. You... Super take, Shredder himself. You take away a lot of the the vocal things. He's six ten and a half in real life. They build him at seven foot for wrestling. I mean <laughs> the dude is a fucking yeah, monster. No. that have been awesome. And fifty I mean, fifteen years ago he would have been in his mid forties. Perfect. So I mean, you know, he had long I mean, you know, at that point he had long gray hair. I mean, he would have been a good fit for the role. Killed off the hair <laughs> as is then. Yeah. Yeah. Um and here's a little bit of fan service for the okay. show. Okay. Dominic Purcell's out. You want someone that's big, brooding, in that role. You already know who I'm going to say. It's Carl Urban. Goddamn. I mean, I will never argue with that casting. Um, and it, again, it's one of those things where I was thinking about it, and I was like, "This is about a year before Doom, and like that could have built up his action star power." Sorry. Another terrible movie with a great scene. Doom. <laughs> yeah um but like that
0: could have built up his action star power he does play an awesome badass vampire in priest
1: which is probably the only good part of that movie
0: yeah uh again it's a i love it but it's terrible uh but no like again i'm never gonna argue with casting carl urban and like like Again, I think Dominic Purcell now would make an interesting drag because now he's he's got some age on him. He, my, my problem was with him being bald and clean shaven, and they literally shaved his chest, and every shirt he wears comes down past his man boobs because yeah. they have his exposed chest. Even his goddamn armor exposes his chest. Like he just looks like a Fabio version of of Dracula. And and he, he looks too baby face. I never take him seriously as
1: an adversary to Blade. Man. Uh, I'm trying to think, like, I just... Parker Posey and Triple H just have to go.
0: I didn't hate him that much. Uh, but, again, if we're just going to dreamcast this movie, then fuck yes. Carl Urban all the way. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, like, <laughs> they cert- they're there are characters that are just there to serve a
1: function yeah especially now that we've talked about it like god Kevin Nash because if you want someone big and intimidating get the guy who's nearly seven feet tall yeah and don't have him talk much yeah exactly because like that if you want to talk about something that uh, pulls you out of a movie Triple H going why the fuck are you talking about my dick yeah, it's not good. I just want it's, to give myself a concussion, like banging my head into your don't table.
0: Don't ever try to out snark, uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah, it's not going to work.
1: There's uh, a reason that, that that he just is
0: Deadpool, not cast as just is. is. Yeah. Um, no, again, like it hurts me because I, I I enjoy Ryan Reynolds in this movie. I really enjoy what little uh, Jessica Biel gets to do. Um, she's badass in this movie at a time when we weren't really getting a lot of badass females she could have had a great interesting character arc but they didn't want to go full whistler with her which i don't understand she could have had a really great relationship with blade uh they could have carried on that that mentor uh like because the whole thing in the first blade movie is and, and uh del toro talks about this in blade uh, two on the commentary they have a very Old gunslinger passing down his guns to the next generation relationship. That could have been an awesome thing because, again, it's the third movie. You want to change things up. Start transitioning Blade into that role of there's this new generation of vampire hunters coming after me. They do things differently, but this is one I can, I can, I can, uh, 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 we have a connection with and transition Blade into more of the mentor thing, have him... That could have been awesome. And I don't know if that was written in and we never got to shoot it because... and We'll, we'll get to this We're now. We're going to
1: cover it shortly. Uh, notoriously. Okay. Four words. Okay. When we when we came up with this, I had four words that can fix a lot of the problems this movie has. Make Wesley Snipes care. Send Wesley Snipes to rehab apparently. Yeah. Uh, no, it's... It,
0: Again, I did a lot of deep diving on the backstory of this movie because I wanted to understand how did you guys fuck this up so badly. From the get-go, Wesley Snipes did not want David Goyer directing. Because he is a... At this point, Wesley Snipes was a producer on, I think, all three films. And by this point, he was really trying to flex his power as a producer. He didn't want Goyer as a director. I can see why. He did not ever like the story of the script. and I don't know how many versions there were, but again... I can see why, because it's a hodgepodge of leftover ideas. Um, I think there was some casting he had issues with, but I don't remember if they ever said who or what. But he was, you could—you get the sense that he he saw this is going to be a train wreck. This is not a proper Blade 3. Things. This is not going the way it needs to. And for whatever reason, he got outvoted on every single one of those issues. Thanks. So I imagine him going into this pissed off. That he's the star of this franchise, he's a producer on this film, and no one's listening to him. So I'm contractually obligated to be here and show up. I'll do the bare minimum and get by. Because yeah. i am getting paid either way. They had the CGI open eyes on him in one scene. You watch the behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's insane. Because every time they cut to uh, behind-the-scenes of them setting up shots
1: and stuff, you never see Wesley Snipes. It's always his stunt double. Apparently, if it, if it is not a front-on shot or a speaking role with Wesley Snipes, it's his stunt double. Yeah. Uh, even, again, like, they do interviews with the actors
0: and splice that in. You can tell they did one interview with Wesley Snipes. And they are milking that one interview as much as they can. Because they repeat it over and over and over and again.
1: he probably openly states he doesn't like... I mean, he, you can probably <clears throat> see the air of, I don't want to be here in that interview. It's... And for someone who loved, and I, I just mean th- this wasn't a recent thing. I, I saw Blade Two three times in theaters, um, and I didn't have a license. <laughs> I, I, I either had to ride with friends or get dropped off by my parents, or in one instance, my aunt and uncle when I was up spending some time with my cousin. Nice. Um, you know, th- there was no facade. There was no joke. Like I mean, I've always loved Blade Two since its release in two thousand one, two thousand two. Had to be two
0: because I was already living here.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was one of the first times we hung out. Yep. Um, it is the bedrock of our relationship, sir. And that's Orange County. <laughs> sorry, and that's sorry. Orange County. <laughs> hey John, you going to see Orange County? Fuck yeah. <laughs> and so a friendship was born. Um, but. Just, and I, I did end up seeing Blade Trinity twice. Um, I went to go see it on a Friday night, and then went again with some friends that the following Sunday afternoon.
0: It's the first movie me and Captain Chris ever saw together, because he notoriously is not a big go to the theater guy. Uh, but he was already in love with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I didn't learn until years later he'd never seen a single Blade movie until this one. So I can only imagine how fucking confused he was the entire first like thirty minutes of this movie. Um, but even then, I was like. And and he loves the movie, which is why I wish he was here to to kind of defend some stuff a bit. But uh, he loves it. I hate it because I know what the Blade franchise was before this movie and that it died after this. Yeah, I know there was a TV show after this, but no one talks about Sticky Fingers Jones Blade. When you say Blade, it is one name. That's Wesley Snipes. Um, Good luck to Mahershala Ali. No, seriously. Uh, Yeah. We mean mean that honestly and truthfully. I want to see this franchise come back. I would fucking love... To see, I was listening to um, uh, of Garbage today, and they're talking about the first Blade movie, and they're t- you know they they brought up that Marvel's redoing Blade in the next few years probably, and Wesley Snipes still loves this character, still very much close to his heart. I would lose my shit and cream my pants if they cast Wesley Snipes as the new Whistler.
1: Oh yeah, um, it it's ideal <laughs> casting. It really is. He's. Uh, you know, he's old, he has gray hair now. I mean, it's... Perfect. It, it writes itself, and it's... It's the send-off to Blade, to Wesley Snipes, that we never got. It's yep. And, you know, this is a franchise... This is a franchise I genuinely love. This is a franchise I genuinely want to see succeed. That's why when they announced Mahershala... I can't never Mahershala. Saying, Mahershala Ali, where I was like, hell yeah. I was like, if if you're going to redo Blade... That's who I'd cast. Um, that's the dude I would 100% go with. Yeah. I had, like, when they announced it, zero complaints. Um, and <laughs> we'll, we'll veer off to I hate yeah. fanboys for a minute. Okay. To the point where people were so angry and hating on it so much that Wesley Snipes took to Twitter as Blade. And took up for him. You know, it's just... He talked about like how he's going to be a great daywalker. Not Blake. He called him the The daywalker. Just holy fucking shit. Like, I'm such a fucking nerd. I have goosebumps right now talking about it. Like, it's what... It's the passing of the torch that had to take place on the internet instead of in film because people suck so much now
0: back to Blade (laughs) Trinity I know
1: sorry we had to go back there Uh... and yeah it it really does kind of suck to hear that part of the reason the movie sucked so much is because Wesley Snipes was so angry but it's also kind of cool to hear that he cared and had so much passion for this project he didn't want to be a part of something he knew was going to kill
0: him yeah uh, it breaks my heart and, uh, like, and there's that Patton Oswalt story from his stand up about you know uh, Wesley only answering to the name Blade and being in a trailer getting high all the time and, like when you read about all the arguments he had with the other producers and specifically like with Goyer the director like it kind of starts to make sense like yeah. you know it was it was almost like a, a Batista Guardians 3 type of scenario where it's like he didn't really want to do this no one listened to any of the, the feedback he gave on anything about this project and he was contractually obligated to do it. So he's going to follow his contract to the letter. And when he's done, he's gone. Yeah. And that's basically the vibe I got. It's like it, it sort of makes that behavior make a bit more sense. It's still shitty because you want to be like, hey, dude, just just give it your all and at least make the most of it. Uh, you know, obviously, the movie might have been a little bit better if he gave a shit about any of it. But you can see why he didn't. It's marginal. Yeah.
1: Um, I didn't realize all that stuff with Goyer and everything so make Wesley Snipes care maybe is unfounded because he did yeah he just he cared about Blade I I would change your make Wesley Snipes care to listen to
0: Wesley Snipes
1: yeah it's because this is a like talk nerdy to me you will I can guarantee probably sometime in the next four or five weeks you're gonna hear us talk about Blade again and when we did our, what would you want to be rebooted? And Julian said, Blade, thinking it was going to piss me off. I was like, fuck yes. Do more Blade. Yes. Like, I want Blade. Jasper for, but in that, that golden glow of um,
0: Daredevil, Luke Cage, Netflix series, yeah. when it was like, the sky's the limit, and oh man, look at these, these Marvel properties with a harder edge to them. These are so great. I, from, I was pitching, like, do Blade and do uh, Ghost Rider as Netflix series. Those would be awesome. And Hype it, up your horror hit
1: elements. Hit monkey. And Hitmonkey. And Hitmonkey,
0: obviously. <laughs> uh, I, I was all about that. Yeah. Uh, and That's not going to happen now, but I would still, like, the Blade series wasn't a bad idea. There's some legit good episodes in there. Um, it was
1: very... It was poorly advertised rushed I it definitely. was on
0: spike
1: it was on spike yeah airing after monday night raw so you're talking mondays anywhere between depending on because that's when they just had kind of carte blanche airing anywhere between like 11:05 to 11:15, and i like blade i probably wasn't going to stay up until 12:30 on a school night to watch it yeah because the did the season did the series take place after trinity or was it between two and three? I think
0: it's supposed to be post-Trinity because Wilster is... I haven't watched it in a very long time. Okay. But That's I a, believe it's... I, I think it's post-Trinity. I don't... It doesn't really directly reference any movie except the first one. So it might be its own weird timeline. I don't know. Because uh, it also doesn't focus very much on Blade the first few episodes, which is fucking weird for a show called Blade. But anyway, uh, yeah. like it, We love this character. And this is a franchise that could have been amazing uh, would have been great to see it keep going because again
1: 2006 wow that was much later than I thought it
0: was it's something no one ever expected to be a franchise um sad to see it go the way it went but it, it yeah so maybe maybe some of these things would have helped make it a better movie because it, it made money uh mm, yeah 65 million budget and 120 something
1: gross basically right at 129
0: so yeah, that's. I mean, it it made back its budget. Obviously, not as is great a turnout as is New Line would have hoped, and that might have been part of the problem. Sixty five million dollars for two thousand four New Line is no
1: small amount of money. If your part three doesn't outdo your part two, though.
0: Well, and that's the thing, because name bad part threes. It's a list eighteen million miles long. Name good part threes. You got about ten.
1: Uh, Alien on
0: that list, right? yeah sure
1: of the bad ones yeah oh yeah <laughs> top of that list
0: uh but no and, and the, another well, example this of, is on the top of that yeah list. yeah another example of behind the scenes shit uh ending up
1: negatively impacting the final product I, I think we also just found one of our next fix of films oh <laughs> <laughs> god no that's too much of a quagmire oh, yeah. to get that, it, that's dude. an entire episode just because uh, you have to go through which version oh never mind never mind never yep. mind blade trinity um so there were good parts to it there really were but at the end of the day it just pales in comparison and just objectively it had a tall it had a tall task trying to ever be better than blade two yeah um it and you know blade two had a hard task being better than blade one um I'm not saying Blade 1 wasn't else. its fault. No, so
0: Blade 2 has that... Every first sequel has the advantage of all the groundwork's been laid. We don't have to explain yeah. the rules. We can just jump into the world. Uh, and and that's, again, one of the biggest flaws with this movie is is the first Blade movie takes place very much in an underworld. Like, yes, there's the world we all know and live in. And that's, you know, Karen is the doctor is sort of our, our guide into Blade's world. Um... But it takes place from, you know, Act 1 on, the end of Act 1 forward. It takes place completely in this world of vampires and hunters that Blade lives in. And we get to explore that. The second movie takes that world and cranks it to fucking 11.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you said about the, I don't need Blade in the real world. Yeah, this not w- need to see new stories talking about how, like... The, the kill the mass murderer known as blade has been captured
0: yeah th- that whole roundtable psychiatrist discussion scene like why are you here like yeah. the whole reason blade 2 did so well is because it took a cool world and cranked it to 11 <clears throat> give us more of that don't contract it so again you want to bring something new and cool bring in that classic supernatural vampire
1: yeah and if you can make a, uh, if you can make for the sake of, I want to make Obi John laugh. If you can make the Paul Heyman version of a vampire going into a uh, jerkoff booth not feel out of place, then I mean, make that work. As opposed to an actual news story feeling so out of place,
0: yeah. Make your story make sense stop throwing in ideas that got cut from other movies and trying again this is like a patchwork quilt of a plot and a lot of stuff doesn't tie together and a lot of stuff goes nowhere and makes no sense the death the actual death of Whistler is in this movie and it is it happens and then I don't think we ever talk about it I don't think Abigail ever even actually is told hey he's dead now
1: think she's already aware when they say blade we
0: presume that because at one point hannibal says whistler and blade has like a what look and then it's abigail but again there's no scene where they the two of these characters who whistler was such an important person in their lives never sit down and commiserate about missing whistler
1: yeah there's no there's no mourning scene for the guy you see break into a vampire hive to save and try and turn Whistler back human at the beginning of Blade 2. Yeah. There's... And, uh, you, you know, it's we've talked about this not on the show at length before. This is a movie we both wanted to love. Yeah. Um, I was all about this movie. Yep.
0: I was going to be Animal King for Halloween, and then I saw the movie. Yeah. Because I can't be Blade. We've discussed that before. You can't... It doesn't work... Cosplay doesn't work that way. Yeah. Any black person can be any character, and it's fine. Uh, I can't take a... I I can't be T'Challa.
1: If you dress like Blade, people are just going to think you're someone from The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway... Those are our ideas to try to fix Blade
0: Trinity if it's even a fixable movie. Uh,
1: also, one more throwback: a good scene in a terrible movie, the Blade Breakout.
0: Yeah, the, the, there are some great action scenes in this movie. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel were really giving it their all. They went through like six weeks of fight training and stuff.
1: Like some great fights. And the one line that will always, always make me laugh is when they're repelling the guy up and down and the cell phone starts going off and he's holding him and Blade looks at Ryan Reynolds and so he goes is that you? oh then it must be you to the guy who's like cell phones ringing in his pocket when they're threatening to drop him off the side of the building yeah um and then he just lets him go and do a... well remember familiars are not really
0: people yeah and uh coochie coo god damn it mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah never gonna let that that, that is the when we talked about uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, we talked about the, uh... Mother, you're alive. Yes. But you, you will die. Yeah, yeah. That, that line where Blade looks at the baby that he caught because Dracula hid behind a baby and then threw it off a cliff. Or a, a building. Because that's what Dracula does. And then Blade catches it and goes, Kuchiku. Never forget that that happened. Because that... Watch Blade 1! And then I tell you, hey, he's gonna hold a baby. Look at it and go, Kuchiku. And you're like, fuck you, John. No, he's not. Yeah. That's how low this franchise sank in one movie. Yeah.
1: All right, guys. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for being with us as we threw a show together, kind of, out of the seat of our pants. We commiserate about Blade Trinity. And... Talked about, talk about a lot more. And John let me rant about shitty wrestling for a little bit, so...
0: I don't think there's any uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. We're done. Yeah, we're done. Thank you for listening. And fuck Lloyd Trinity. Yeah, and fuck David Goyer. I'll say it. <laughs>